The following program has been brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Welcome to the show, and I want to tell you before we begin our show today that I must extend my condolences and sympathy to Tony Quello and his family as Tony's father passed away this morning. And I know that anyone listening to the show knows who Tony Quello is. He is our author of the ADA. He is really my mentor you know, a person living with epilepsy that has just done so much for so many people. So I'm just asking you, if you're listening to this show and you heard this, hey, say a prayer for him and his family. I, I really mean that. And I want to tell you, talk about someone that's had an impact on those living with epilepsy. If you're listening to the show today, you are really in for a treat. I mean it. Because this leader is one of the best. He is a tremendous leader in the Epilepsy Foundation. He leads the affiliate in Chicago. He is so passionate about this, and he is really an exciting young leader to watch, to see him move up in his career. So how appropriate that it would be he on the show today. Welcome to the show, Phil Gatone, who is the CEO and president of the Epilepsy Foundation of Greater Chicago. Welcome, Phil. Thanks, Joyce. It's great to be with you. Well, it's great to have you. And and before we get going, you know, for our listeners throughout the world that are listening, maybe we should start by telling them, Phil, how you first became involved with the world of epilepsy. Well, I have uh, have a lot of joy and gratitude in my heart right now. Uh, But back in 1991... Uh, my wife and I found our, our oldest son having a seizure in his bedroom at four in the morning, and that was our introduction into the world of epilepsy, as it is for many, many families. Uh, we have people who uh, are very strikingly and rudely introduced to this whole cause uh, by way of uh, witnessing or having a seizure. And that's how we started our road into understanding the world of epilepsy and understanding what it means to, to uh, love someone who has epilepsy. And so we started our, our journey on April 11th, 1991, and uh, went down a, a road with our son, Philip, when he was four years old, finding, trying to find good care and trying to manage and successfully treat uh, epilepsy. Wow, that's quite a way to be welcomed to the world. And, and let me ask you, Phil, did you know what was happening when you saw him? No, we did not know what was happening. Uh, I had not seen a seizure before, 
And I actually thought that uh, when we walked in and saw him, he was he had a little bit of blue around his lips. His eyes were open. Uh, his eyes were deviating to the left, and I thought that he had died. I thought that he that we found our son, and he had died. And we called the paramedics right away, and they came. And when the paramedics came in, I just said to the paramedic, I said, "Just tell me he's alive." And when he came in there, he said, "Oh, he's alive. He's he's having a seizure." And I said, "A seizure? What is a seizure?" And uh, they went on to uh, get Philip the care in the emergency room that he needed that night because that was the first seizure that he had had. You know why I'm saying that? You know, for those of you who are not educated about seizures, my husband thought I was having a heart attack. Mm -hmm. It is amazing how many people, if they are not educated, have no clue what's going on and are terrified the first time they see this. And I must say, though, um, that I believe the affiliates working with National can change that just by being supportive and educational for so many people. So when you first found out your son was diagnosed, when they first said, Phil, this is it, your your child has epilepsy, how did you feel? Well, I actually felt like we were, we were uh, going to be okay because I thought, okay, well, if, if about half of people with epilepsy are being, um, are able to take a medication and, and have their seizures, uh, find some control and get on with their life, that would be wonderful. But what we didn't realize is that, um, that's not, that's not the case. I mean, uh, for, for the other, for the other half of, of uh, the three million people with epilepsy across the country, uh, it is a very difficult road. Uh, seizures persist despite the fact that uh, people with epilepsy are doing everything right. They're, they're getting good care. The doctors are doing everything right. They're, they're putting them on the best medications possible, and the families are doing everything right, getting the supportive care they need. Seizures persist, and that's what happened with Philip is his seizures were persisting. They continued despite our efforts and despite the efforts of his medical team. And uh, we thought initially, oh, this is going to be okay and, and we'll get through it. But, but seizures kept coming and coming no matter what t- type of treatment uh, we, we tried. And so we, were very dis- we became very discouraged. And one of the messages I want to have for your listeners is, uh, and, and this doesn't just... Uh, apply to people with epilepsy, but it applies to everybody with a disability. Uh, depending on where you are with your, uh, in your journey and with your treatment and, and with your life, I just want to say don't give up. Don't give up. Don't stop trying to get an answer that you need to get through this. Keep trying. And, and that's what we did. And I know many families who continually are still to this day, because epilepsy is a chronic disorder, people are trying and trying and trying. And I just want to say, keep trying. Uh, don't give up. Oh, and I think that is such great advice from you, Phil. I really do, because so many people, that is what happened. They do give up. Um, and, you know, just so you understand this, there's a spectrum with epilepsy. There are people like me where, thank God, it's pretty much controlled, although I take medication every day and have had a few seizures over the past 20 years, but very few. But then there are children that have hundreds of seizures every day. You know, it's different with everyone. And we have to remember that we have to help everyone at 
every level, no matter what it is. Uh, so we have online here at Twitter and Facebook with Voice America. Uh, we have our first question here for you, Phil, uh, from a Linda. And the question is, Phil, first of all, it's a godsend hearing someone like you. I'm so happy to hear your talking about your son and what has happened. Um, what do you do when other family members do not accept your child? Mm-hmm. When other family members don't accept your child, well, I think that um, one of the one of the most it's a really good question, and, and unfortunately, it it can be more common than we think that we have misunderstandings not only in the general community but within our own families, and there's a tremendous amount of education that needs to take place within families. Uh, the first thing I would suggest is that you reach out, no matter where you are across the country, that you reach out to your Epilepsy Foundation because the people at the Epilepsy Foundation have professionals on staff who can help uh, facilitate a discussion with your family can give you the tools you need and can also give your family the tools they need to understand exactly what's happening both physically and uh, emotionally and socially for a family member with epilepsy. And, and not only that, but how they can help. Uh, I think oftentimes there's a, uh, a denial or there's, a, there's an issue. They just don't want to deal with this because they don't know what to do. They don't know how to help, and they don't know what, what it is. So please call your Epilepsy Foundation, and you can find your Epilepsy Foundation right on the main website, efa.org. You'll be able to find your local Epilepsy Foundation, and if you're not sure which, one, which local Epilepsy Foundation to call, you can just call the National Epilepsy Foundation, and they will get you connected with the resources that you need. And that is such a great idea. And, boy, I'm always so happy, Phil, that I'm not there when people do things like this. Oh. <laughs> because, see, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be giving you that. Listen to Phil. He told you the right answer. That is the right answer. If Phil told you. But I would be saying, what is wrong with these people? I've got to tell you, what is wrong with people? And with that, we're going to go to break, but we'll be right back with our rock star, the Epilepsy Foundation, Phil Gatone, the CEO and president of the Epilepsy Foundation of Greater Chicago. You are listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and one other thing, we accept all family members. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Get ready for a show that breaks ground on the subject of women in motorsports and what it takes to dream, believe, achieve. Gas and Go with Alio is all about the movement that is happening lightning fast in women's racing. 
you'll get a wide array of perspectives from the drivers to the fans, as well as what it takes to be a role model in a male-dominated sport. Join your host, professional driver Ali Owens, for Gas and Go with Ali O. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Power Up Motorsports Channel. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Are you looking for the next best thing? Of course you are. We all are. The next best thing is like your personal crystal ball on the radio, only it's much more accurate. We'll discuss medicine, healthcare, politics, the arts, matters of the heart, and spirit. In this confusing world, the next best thing will keep you ahead of the game. Where can you find the next best thing? Join your host, Linda C. Thompson, on the Voice America Variety Channel every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time for the next best thing. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back to the show. If you just joined us, we are in for a great show today because we have Phil Gatone, President and CEO of the Epilepsy Foundation of Greater Chicago. And Phil, one thing I wanted to mention before we go any further is to remind everyone, remember the walk, the National Epilepsy Walk, March 27th in Washington, D.C. It is such a great event I mean, there you are down there by the Capitol, the Washington Monument, with thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are standing up saying, I have epilepsy and I am not ashamed. And if you want to go to this great event, www.epilepsyfoundation.org, epilepsyfoundation.org, and register for the walk, I look forward to seeing you there. Uh, But what I wanted to ask you about, Phil, in Chicago... How did you first get involved with the affiliate? Well, I served at an epilepsy center in Chicago for four years as the director of education and uh, had a chance to work with the Epilepsy Foundation in Chicago. And when uh, my predecessor uh, retired, I talked to the director of our epilepsy center and uh, let him know that the president of the Epilepsy Foundation was retiring and what did he think about possibly throwing, you know, having me throw my hat in the ring? And he was very supportive and said, uh, you know, that would be great because we are fortunate in Chicago to have several epilepsy centers. Um, so I threw my hat in the ring, was lucky to get that post, and I, I worked there for, gosh, uh, about four years. 
and uh, later went on to work with our National Epilepsy Foundation. And uh, now I am, I am back uh, in Chicago uh, heading up that team and working with a great, great group of people. Isn't that great how that, how that all came back? That is tremendous. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is. And I also know that you have worked with many other people even on our board like Brian's, uh, Dr. Smith. Absolutely. I've been, yes, I've had a great right there, and I know that yes. your wife is very involved in the, in the health world with the work that she does. Um, and at the beginning, you also worked with Susan Axelrod, right? Absolutely. I was on Susan's uh, founding board of directors uh, with Cure. Yes. And she's well, wonderful. That's another the, great person that yeah, I'm the happy. The whole team over there is wonderful. You know, the, yes. the whole industry, it's a fa- rather small fraternity in epilepsy. You know, we, we need each other. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm very thankful that people are working together and willing to, to do what it takes to get this uh, mission met. Yeah, and we have to work together. And I am determined to partner with every group. But I wanted to ask you, um, Phil, in Chicago, what, what would you say are some of the key issues that you're dealing with at your affiliate? And also, after that, could you tell us what are some of the programs that you will have this year um, in 2010 that, that you can tell our listeners about? Oh, there's a lot to talk about. There, the, the primary issues that we're dealing with center around three key areas. One is advocacy. A second area is education. And the third area is supportive care. And with advocacy, there are needs out in the school. Children aren't getting the services they deserve in the classroom. Um, people are getting... Uh, laid off from their jobs because they've, they have a seizure at, at work. And there are interventions that we have in place through our Advocacy Action, State Leaders Education Initiative, our school intervention programs. And the foundation across the country has these programs in place to help advocate for people with epilepsy. Uh, that second group uh, surrounding education, you can just never have enough education is my opinion. And when I say education, it's a broad term, but I'm talking about people who have epilepsy, educating themselves on what they can do in life, uh, educating school teachers, students, the community, our first responders about epilepsy. And uh, we have a, a series of education initiatives that we've begun uh, in Chicago. And uh, one that I'm most proud of is, is our uh, education and uh, outreach out to uh, our schools. We'll reach uh, over 300 schools just in DuPage County uh, and Kane County this year, not to mention the Chicago area and Cook County. We have a, a wonderful team of educators, and we're changing lives because when, you're, when you reach young people, when you reach the youth of America, and they become educated about what epilepsy is and how they can help, you have done something that is going to change the future. And I would really. Oh, and I believe that. Yes. I am so much into that National Youth Council, uh, Phil. But before we go any further, listen, we have a couple callers on the line. Eric, are you on the line? You today? Hey, Eric, how you doing? Oh, things are very good. Things are very good. Um, had a question for uh, for Phil. I know Joyce that there's a lot of um, a lot of parents who listen to your to your program uh, who, who might have a child with with uncontrolled seizures. And uh, you know, since Phil's son had uh, successful surgery uh, for for his epilepsy, I know that a lot of parents uh, are you know are are very concerned. Even though 
you know, they feel that surgery is relatively safe. This is a very big decision to be making, you know, for, for your child. And I wanted to ask, uh, Phil, what advice would you have for parents who might be thinking about surgery? What resources should they, they be looking at? What are the things they should consider, um, you know, in, in looking at that treatment option? Well, okay, great... and hold on one minute. Sure. This is Eric Hargis, who is the CEO of the National Epilepsy Foundation uh, at epilepsyfoundation.org. Eric, thank you so much for calling in. Uh, and Phil, do you want to answer that? Sure. It's a great question, Eric, and one that many parents really struggle with because everybody knows that surgery can potentially be, be curative, but it's also a very, um, it's a higher risk procedure in that uh, once, you, once you have that procedure done, there's really, you know, there's not a lot of going back. So it's really, a, it's a very, very difficult decision for, for many uh, parents. But what I would say is, uh, first and foremost, make sure that you've considered uh, the options with your doctor uh, as it relates to all treatment options. And uh, surgery is certainly one that uh, we chose for our son because there were certain factors that came into play. One was uh, we didn't find successful uh, seizure control with typical uh, medication delivery. So we weren't able to uh, stop the seizures with typical treatment options like medication. That was number one. Number two is we got a second opinion. We went and we were encouraged to do so also by our, by our epilepsy specialist. So if, if your epilepsy, if your doctor is um, really convinced that this is a good alternative, then uh, a second opinion would really help, help you as a parent know that this is really the right decision uh, based on all the factors. Uh, and then the second, the, the third thing is to, um, really uh, have a discussion. It depends on, on the age of your child or, or uh, the, one that, uh, the, the loved one that may be uh, having the surgery, but really I would say have a discussion about the future. What happens after surgery? What is, what is life likely to be like for the recovery period short-term and then long-term? What is the real goal here? Is it, is it palliative? Are we just trying to stop the seizures? Or, and, and, uh, or is there going to be progress um, in the future. And I think that uh, really when somebody looks at, at the future, they can really see the benefit. They can say, okay, now I understand why surgery is important because the future is at stake here. Uh, without surgery, you, you can have an expectation that things, are, things may get worse, things may get more difficult for your child. And with surgery, you should have the expectation that things are going to get better for your child. And so it's a very personal decision. And I know parents who have weighed all the options and opted not to have surgery and parents who have weighed all the options and have opted to have surgery. But um, I would say that the key factors are make sure that, that you've uh, exhausted the less invasive type of uh, procedures. Secondly, get a second opinion. And third, look to the future. Great answer. Hey, Eric, thank you so much for calling in. Sure. Thank you, Joyce. And, oh, and, and Eric, uh, when is that walk? 
That's going to be on. Uh, it's going to be on the 27th uh, of this month, just uh, about a, about a week and a half away. I'll let your listeners know that all that snow that our friends in Chicago have sent us <laughs> is now all melted. So the cherry blossoms will be out, and it's beautiful. And Joyce, I just want to uh, extend a thank you to Phil and all our colleagues out in Chicago for the great job they're doing for people with epilepsy there. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you. And I think I think we have another caller on the line. Judy, are you on the line? I am on the line. How hey, are you, Judy? Joy? How are you doing, Judy? I'm doing well. How, how uh, are you Wait a minute. Doing? This is our superstar from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Judy Painter, the executive director of the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA. Go and, ahead, Judy. And hello, Phil. How are you doing? Great, Judy. How are you? It's great to talk with you. Well, it's great talking to you. Uh, Joy, as you know, <coughs> Phil is one of the best executive directors in the country and has been a great leader in the epilepsy movement, not I only know in Chicago, that. but nationwide. Um, when he worked uh, for a short period of time, I had the, the honor of working with him uh, and developing some of the standards uh, that uh, we're living by as an epilepsy organization right now. And uh, I think you know, Phil is to be congratulated on so many levels for so many things that he did for us. So Thank you, Judy. That's, that's just uh, a... An introduction to Phil, uh, which you probably did, Joyce, and I may have missed. Well, that's all right. Go right ahead. Can't say uh, so, Phil, uh, as you've been an exec for a while, you have a child with epilepsy. Uh, you know some of the the struggles that we're going through in this downturn in the economy. Uh, in the economy, um, what do you see as our future as an organization? Uh, how can we best serve people with epilepsy? Well, our future is bright if we're able to leverage the, uh, the knowledge and the talent that we have all across the country. I believe that we have some of the best minds uh, at our national office and at our affiliate offices across the country. I believe that we're, we're poised right now to leverage our, our talent and uh, the gifts that we all have and make a real difference. And, the, and just knowing that we have these gifts uh, throughout the country, we have this talent, we have to figure out a way to, to build on each other's gifts and, and translate that into uh, a strong public awareness campaign, a strong program service delivery nationwide, and strong, uh, you know, sustainable fundraising op- um, initiatives. And we're doing that. We're starting to do that. We have a brand new strategic plan that's being formed, and it's a collaborative effort among our national staff, our national board, our affiliate leaders. And I think the next five years are going to be very bright for people with epilepsy. Good. Well, I, I agree with you, um, I, I, and I agree with you, you know, that, that we do have so much talent uh, that we can bring to the table. And, uh, uh, and I, I think, uh, you know, I, one of the things I think that, that we did as an organization, and I'm going to mention Tony's name, Joyce, is at the national board level he brought people, uh, not just parents, uh, not just interested parties, but people who actually have epilepsy onto the board of directors to share, you know, know what their experiences were with epilepsy and to be able to, to bring that, that, that part of the puzzle to the table. Wouldn't you agree that that was a big step? Oh, I would agree, certainly. Joyce, I don't know about you, but I would agree that that was, 
that was everything. When you bring people who really have a personal connection to epilepsy and also have the qualifications to be a strong board and volunteer leader, you've really b- brought something special to an organization. Oh, he changed it all. He did. He changed it all. I know, but you're part uh, he, of that change. He, he is such a great leader. He changed it all. But you're a um, great leader, too. Uh, well, and so are you. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> and, so, and so is Phil. That right. is, that we, we are really but blessed. I, but I mean, I, I, I really have seen a change in the direction of the organization since that has happened. You know that that people with epilepsy are on the board of directors, not necessarily just, and not to say anything, not caretakers in the sense of you know the medical community and and other people, but there are actually people with epilepsy who are sitting there that can share their experience, and uh, and it almost seems that everyone's experience is, is different with epilepsy, and if we can bring all of that together. It is, and you know what that reminds me of, Judy and Phil? You know, years and years ago at Gallaudet, remember when they told the deaf students, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. we have an opening for a president. Oh, no, can't be someone deaf. It has to be a hearing person. Right. And there was that huge rebellion. Correct. Uh, and then, of course, they brought in I. King Jordan, who is deaf. But, mm-hmm. you know, that was sort of like saying, okay, all of you, yeah, sure, you can do it, but you can't be this. That's right. You can't be president. Right. Right. So I I agree with you, uh, Judy, and and you will see many of us at the walk March 27th and or at the gala April 14th. Go to epilepsyfoundation.org to find out more. Uh, and Judy, we are so blessed to have you here in Pittsburgh. Thank you so much for thank calling. you so much, and thank you, Phil, for everything that you do. Thanks, really Judy. Both of you. Thank you. Take care. You okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. And Phil, you know that Mardi Gras. What can I say? Well, she's amazing. She's amazing on all levels. Judy's one of those people that you just look up to and you hope one day to achieve what she's achieved because she's been there and she's, she's come to work every day with the same mission in mind. How can I help make life better for people with epilepsy? And that's been her sole purpose, and she's done an outstanding job. And her team is a, is a team of outstanding professionals. Oh, they are. Peggy, all of them. They have great people there. And, and I'm going to tell you, that's how you are, Phil. Every time I talk to any of these people, for all of you in Chicago, listen, i got to tell you, you know, he really is passionate all the time like this about epilepsy. <laughs> and that is a question we have right now from a listener. And, oh, this is a good question uh, on Twitter. And the question is, uh, if you want to make a donation in Chicago, how do you do that? Well, you can um, do it any number of ways, but you can you can go to our website. Um, you can just go to epilepsyfoundation.org and make a donation there, um, and just note you know that this is uh, you know a gift. Uh, you can do it online, or you can send a donation uh, to us. Either way, um, you know our and, address and is on our website. And how do they send a donation, Phil? To, a donation. Our address is you, 17 North State Street. 17 North State Street. Chicago, Illinois, 60602. And, uh, and you can make a donation online or through the mail, or you can call. Our, our phone number is 312-939-8622. And I, I, just, I, I just really appreciate that because I think that people, uh, when they give, 
they really are changing a life. They're going to, you know, more kids are going to be able to go to camp this year because people cared enough to give. People are going to be able to get the help they need in schools. They're going to be able to get some counseling on how to find that job that really is the true, the true freedom that we all want, as you've spoken about many times, Joyce. Uh, it's all because people care enough to give, and, and I cannot tell you how much those gifts impact people with epilepsy. It's really appreciated. And you know what, Phil? Um, see, you, you're so famous. We have all these callers, but you were telling us. Did you get to finish telling us about your programs for well, 2010? I, I didn't. And the, the one thing I'll just tell you very quickly is that as it relates to supportive care, this is one aspect of, of our program service delivery that goes on all across the country that makes such a difference in the lives of people with epilepsy. We're talking about things like our camp. Um, things like our art initiative, our writing initiative, and these are going on across the country in different affiliates. The one thing I'm really proud of that we're bringing to Chicago uh, this year is what we're calling seven weeks of wellness. Uh, when you have epilepsy, there are so many things out of your control, but this is a week, this is a week of classes. It's seven weeks, one night a week for seven weeks where you can take control of different aspects of your life. As an example, week four, eating for your health. We will have a registered dietitian who is going to be able to tell you, you know how sometimes you're on medication, you don't feel like eating or you feel like eating everything? You know, sometimes it's hard to know what to eat. We're going to have a registered dietitian, an epilepsy physician, an epilepsy expert, and a chef who will be there that week preparing a meal that everybody can learn how, how to eat better and they'll all get a taste of this wonderful meal and walk away with recipes and, and strategies to, to eat better and, and take charge of their own nutrition. And that's, there are seven weeks of that that we're going to be doing, and we're doing that all across Chicago this year. And our, our board is excited, our staff is excited, and people with epilepsy are already signing up and we haven't even released the program yet. Oh, that is fantastic. And remember, folks, education is the key. That's why all of this is so important, what Phil is talking about. Education is the key. Well, Phil, here you are, CEO and President of the Epilepsy Foundation of Greater Chicago, uh, one of the largest cities in America. Well, what do you hope to accomplish over the next few years, and how can our listeners help you? Well, I guess the, there are several things uh, that we want to accomplish, but primarily from a messaging standpoint, what we want to get across to our community, especially people with epilepsy, is not only don't give up, but the, the next thing we really want to get across to people is that you are not alone. You are not fighting this battle alone. You, are, you have people with you. You have people who care about you. You have people on staff at the Epilepsy Foundation, not only in Chicago, but in, in every, every city around the country, every major area around the country. You have people who care about you. And you need to know that when you're fighting this, this is a chronic condition. This is something that does not go away overnight. And when you're in a long, long-term battle, the message we want to get out over the next several years and into the future is that you are not alone. And we're going to be with you every step of the way. We want to share in your successes. When you find that job or you get the help you need in school or you graduate and you go on and get a job and you, and you live the life that you want to live, we want to be there with you. But also, when you're struggling, when you're having that really hard time 
and you don't know what to do, and you don't know what you know the next day will bring, we want you to know that we're with you in those times as well. Yes, we're there all the time. And, and that is so true because, you know, people don't realize sometimes, Phil, that, you know, other people are going through this. They, they just don't. That's right. They do think they're alone. That's right. And, and one thing that I am dealing with right now that I know you're very aware of is this problem with bullying of children with disabilities, and one that is a big one is epilepsy. That's and that sure. there are kids in school that are attempting suicide as a result of bullying, and unfortunately, some of them successfully. That's that's uh, unfortunately okay. that's true. It's a, it's a disastrous situation, and it goes to really the third arm of our public awareness campaign, which is really led by some of the most amazing people that I know, uh, and that is our talk about it campaign. And when you when you learn that it's okay to talk about it, not to stay silent. When somebody's bullying you, not to stay silent, to talk about it. Tell somebody what's going on. Don't just take it. Stand up for yourself. You've got a lot of friends. You've got more friends than you think uh, all across this country. And uh, led by a couple of guys, Greg Grumberg out in Los Angeles and Ken Lowenberg out in, in uh, Maryland, uh, and, and the whole team of people uh, that is building this message, these are great people, and they're sending the right message out there. And this is not only a message to people with epilepsy, but the general public as well. And so learning that it's okay to talk about it is, gonna, is going to really disarm those bullies. And, you know, I, I was at the American Association of People with Disabilities Gala the other night. Wow. Oh, my goodness, was it fantastic. And um, Yoshiko Dart my friend, who we love so much, Justin's wife, who is truly the spirit of youth, freedom, leadership, believing in young people. There's a great opportunity for young people to be leaders today. There Mm. is. But you know what? You better listen to Phil. Don't try to live in the shadows. Don't live in the dark. Something terrible will happen if you do that. Phil, do you have their back, Phil? Absolutely. We've got your he back. He has your back. See, for any young person, I know a lot of young people listen to this show. Phil, what advice do you have for them again? Well, you're, you're not alone. Don't give up and talk about it. Keeping it secret will yeah. never help. It will never help. Never help. Yep. Um, and you do have people that will help. Here's one of them. He's on the phone right now. Phil Gatone, and he's talking about, you know, people like Greg Grumberg from the TV show Heroes, um, who, who just really believe in everything we're doing. But there is one thing I have to ask you about. I can't miss talking about this. Phil, how many of your constituents have been dealing with medication switching? Oh, so many. And my wife is a nurse in an epilepsy center, and she sees this firsthand. I see it firsthand. People are calling. It's a disaster right in our midst we we have and this is not an issue of switching a brand name medication to a generic this is a this is the case of switching generic medications to other generic medications this you know if, if you're on a generic form of a, of a medication there may be six different brands of that same generic drug and from and, and i would i applaud 
somebody, if you're able to get your seizures controlled on a generic medication, that's wonderful. And, uh, but it's a crime to have that same generic medication switched at the pharmacy month after month. It, it, it throws everything off. And just one seizure, there's, never, there's not another chronic condition that I know of that has higher stakes than epilepsy. If you have one seizure, that makes a huge difference in whether or not you are going to be able to drive and in many cases whether or not you're going to be able to get to your job, uh, affecting your school, your academic achievement. There's, there are huge, huge uh, lives here. You know, a, a lot of the future of, of people's lives is at stake here, and it's just being tossed around without any regard for the, or, or respect for that life. And I, I'm tired of it. I mean, we see it all the time. Brand name medications are being switched to generic, and generic medications are being switched to other generics, and people's lives are, are really in turmoil as a result of it. They are. And listen, do you understand what he's meaning? You go to the pharmacy, and if they switch you from one generic to the next generic, you may not even know. But let me tell you, if you're like me living with epilepsy, it will have an impact. I've got news for you. When three or four years ago the outside capsule of Dilantin was changed, not the inside, the outside capsule for the first time in whatever it was, 40 years or however long, I'm probably longer than that, um, my therapeutic level in my blood went from a 12 to a 2. Wow. And I was in San Francisco. I had an aura. I am, and I had to increase my medication. Any change will impact me, <coughs> and it can impact yes. you. You really need to know what you're doing when you go to the pharmacist. So, again, go to epilepsyfoundation.org and read about this medication switching because this could be something that could save your life. And, Joyce, I want to tell you that what I'm, I said at the beginning that I've got a lot of joy and gratitude in my heart, and, and one of the reasons is that we have one of the best, best teams nationwide that, that is fighting this at a, at a high level to get this thing resolved. Uh, the, our, our legal and government affairs team is phenomenal. And we wow. also have our leaders across the country fighting this at the state level. And, and so we have a whole army of people. And if you want to, if your listeners want to join in that fight and find out how they can help, they can reach out to their, their local epilepsy foundation and, and offer their volunteer services on this advocacy issue because it is critical. We need to really stand together and come together on this issue. And I think just as everything else we've done, when we do come together, great things happen. So I'm thankful for our, for our leaders uh, at the national level, uh, Sandy Finucane, Donna Meltzer, the whole team over there, and then also all the people across the country who are fighting in every state to get this resolved. Oh, and you know what? They are fantastic. Oh, my goodness, Sandy and that team. So awesome. So, you know, we're all one team. I always say the Epilepsy Foundation does not mean the national office. It does not mean the affiliates. It does not mean people living with epilepsy. It means all of us, everyone together. Absolutely. So, Phil, as you well know, we have been fighting stigma for a long time, and we still have a long way to go, but I want to ask you this question because many of our listeners sent us emails when they found out you were going to be on asking well, where does this come from, or why do you think it is? So I wanted to ask you, 
Why do you think there is such a stigma toward people with epilepsy? Well, I think um, there are several reasons, and it is a long-standing issue. This stigma has been a part of epilepsy longer than, I think, any other condition known to man. Uh, you know, all, all the way back in biblical times, you, you can see how epilepsy was stigmatized. But I believe that primarily, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a, anything the brain can do, it can do in the form of a seizure. So this is a very unique condition. So I could be talking to you like I'm talking to you now on the phone, and I might stop talking. I might begin to stare, and uh, you wouldn't know talking to me on the phone. You think maybe I wasn't answering your questions. And so there's a misunderstanding right away. We have children in a lunchroom, and a child could have a complex partial seizure, and they begin to stand up. When every child is told, you sit down and eat your lunch, this child stands up and begins to wander around the cafeteria, and the cafeteria supervisor is yelling at the child to sit down. The kids begin to laugh. There's a misunderstanding, and you have stigma. You have somebody in a workplace who, who's doing an office job. They uh, begin to have a generalized tonic-clonic seizure in the office. People become afraid, concerned. They, they think that something is wrong with this person on another level. And so they, th there's the stigma. It's just automatic. When you see a seizure and you don't know what's going on, there's going to be an automatic misunderstanding. And it takes a heck of a lot of education and a heck of a lot of support for a person with epilepsy to, be, to find an environment that is uh, accepting and I, I really credit, and we hold up very highly our corporate partners and our community partners who have taken the lead on building awareness within their organizations about epilepsy. And they've invited the Epilepsy Foundation in to talk about what epilepsy is and how people can help. And once that happens, and it's something that you can't just do once, you need to do regularly, you find a huge change in the corporate culture and a huge change in the, in the stigma and uh, I know that Eric, Eric Hargis, our national CEO, has said that, that it's, his, it's his hope that, that this is the last generation that has to say and, and has to deal with the stigma of epilepsy. And the way that's going to happen is by educating our young people in the schools, in the communities, in our families about epilepsy. And we'll get this thing resolved so people know what it is and how to help. That's right. And remember, when you have epilepsy, I have epilepsy. I am not ashamed, nor should you be. It's often, as Phil just said, lack of understanding. That is what it is. Well, Phil, I ask the next two questions to every guest that's been on my show for the past six years, um, and this next one is usually the hardest one to answer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, for example... You've already accomplished, if you look at your bio, so many things in your life. And now here you are, CEO, running this affiliate in Chicago. Um, but I wanted to ask you, what would you say you are the proudest of? What are your proudest accomplishments? Oh, my proudest accomplishments. First, I would say uh, that my wife of almost 25 years, has uh, she still loves me. She still cares about me, and she still uh, wants to hang around me. That's, that's my biggest accomplishment. And, the, and aside from that, I would say that um, making the friendships that I've made 
across the country and uh, and throughout the disability community um, has really has really been my my best accomplishment. I think that being able to uh, in in this horrible situation when you're facing um, you know something that nobody would choose to face uh, and there's really not much good that you can point to sometimes when you're when you're facing these kinds of um, of obstacles, but one of the the best and, and most gratifying accomplishments, I think, and the good things that come from a bad situation, are the people you meet, the friends you make, and and the awareness that all of a sudden hits you, and you say, "Man, there are a lot of people out there who care, a lot of yes, people who want to help." Well, guess what? One of them's on the phone right now. Do we have a caller on the line right now? Yes, this is Darla Templeton. <laughs> Hello, Darla. How are you? I am fine, and how are you? I am fantastic. Go ahead, Darla. How's that Phil doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing great, Darla. How are you? Just fine. Listen, Phil, I know you're the king of the talk about it dinner. <laughs> and um, I, I think last November you had um, the talk about it dinners and several at one time. How did that go for you? Well, the talk about it at dinner project was an amazing project. Everybody knows that the economy has hit us all really hard. Many of us are out of work. Many of us are not getting pay raises if we are employed. And so asking people for their support, their financial support, is a very difficult thing. And so we decided, rather than, than produce a major ask where people would give hundreds or thousands of dollars, we thought it might be a great idea for people to just invite their neighbors over and friends for a little party, a little dinner party, and those who came, rather than bringing a bottle of wine or some soda or some flowers or whatever, to bring a small donation, 10 or $20, for the Epilepsy Foundation. And we started this idea out uh, really nationwide. In, in Chicago, we were able to, uh, uh, to do this. We had 80 dinners in Chicago, all with just friends, neighbors coming over, small parties, and uh, we're still, we still have some more dinners to go before the end of June. But uh, last November, we had about 80 dinners, and we raised just over $80,000. Wow. Um, wow. Just with people giving just what they could, 10 or 20 bucks here and there. Some people gave a lot more uh, because they could and they wanted to. But it was, uh, it was not just a financial success. We raised more awareness in our own local communities about epilepsy and why the Epilepsy Foundation matters and why epilepsy needs to be understood um, throughout our region. And that was a, a wonderful thing. We also got some awareness out of it. We got some play on, on uh, some media, which was wonderful. And our goal is to have the large, you know, we, we're calling it the largest dinner party in Chicago when it's really, you know, it's going to be this year in November. We're, we're ho- uh, hoping to have over, you know, 100 uh, dinners in Chicago. So we raised some, some very good dollars and nobody had the burden of having all of that on their shoulders to raise, you know, to, to provide a thousand dollar check when everybody knows it's very difficult these days to be able to do that. Wow. But you averaged a thousand dollars at dinner. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you're the king, and by man. the way, this is Darla <laughs> Templeton, who is another great leader and great executive director for the Epilepsy Foundation, and she runs the affiliate in St. Louis. That's true. And, um, you know, I I like Phil's idea about those talk-about-it dinners, and um, I uh, really appreciated his 
uh, initiation with that and the um, the really the push nation, nationwide for all of us to do that. And, and I've taken his example. We've had some dinners, but I also um, have things like lemonade stands and Christmas caroling and Halloween parties. So we just do a little different twist. But That's phenomenal. Uh, well, I'm not as successful as you, though, Phil. Yes, you are. Don't even start with me on that. You know, <laughs> you know Joyce, Darla has a, uh, has a bolorama every year in St. Louis, and she has it with the St. Louis Rams. And if you if you ever witness this, you you can see the pictures on on websites uh, in St. Louis, and you can see how they react. This is a huge community event, and it's not only a fundraiser. Darla raises more awareness as a result of this event that it's become really a city event. Well, you know really why wonderful. she doesn't want me to go, don't you? <laughs> because with my bowling, let me tell you what we'd be—they'd all be running out of the uh, bowlerama. They'd have that when I would go in. They'd have to say, "Don't give Joyce a bowling ball." Oh my! That is a requirement. Darla, do you have bumpers on those gutters? Yeah, we do. Up? We okay. do have bumpers, and uh, and you know you don't have to bowl. You can observe Joyce, and we have our events June tenth, and we have uh, probably about forty uh, football Rams scheduled to be there this year. Oh. What is your website for anyone listening? Darla, what's your website? Um, It is stl-epil.org or go to bolarama.org. Okay, just in case someone is listening that wants to go. And I just want to say Darla also has, uh, as you can see, great passion. Uh, And Darla, I really appreciate you calling in. Oh, well, I appreciate you having Phil on the line, and so we can all listen to him, and, and whatever you do for Epilepsy Joyce is always appreciated. Thank oh, you so much. So wonderful. All right, well, thank you. Thanks for calling in, Darla. Thanks, Darla. Hi. Well, before we end the show today, we always, that's my next question, end the show by asking our uh, guest what message he or she would like to leave with our listeners today. So what would be your message, Phil? Well, my message really goes out to families who are facing disabilities and particularly facing epilepsy. And my message is this, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. The Epilepsy Foundation is not giving up. Don't give up. And the second message is you're not alone. You're never alone. There are people who want to help, who, can, who you can talk to, who you can reach out to, who can share experiences with you so you're never alone. And the third message and the final message is talk about it. Please talk about it. Stand up and talk about it, and we're going to change the world for people with epilepsy. You got that right. And you know what? Remember, remember Phil Gatone leading the way in Chicago. Hey, Phil, thank you so much for being with us. But, you know, we end every show with a quote from a famous civil rights leader. So, of course, today it has to be Tony Coelho, Mm -hmm. who says, when you get the chance to take this podium, speak up. Mm -hmm. When you get the chance to take the podium, speak up, says Tony Coelho. Hey, thanks for being with us, Phil. Good luck to you in Chicago. Thank you, Joyce. You're my hero. You always are. Oh, well, we're mutual. We have our mutual fan club. <laughs> and I will look forward to listening to seeing all of you next week. Thank you for listening. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. 
See you next week. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.